Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of the Speak the Language podcast. This week we're talking about a topic straight from y'all's request. If y'all remember last week I put a poll up on my Instagram asking y'all to send in potential topics and this week we're going to be talking about one of the most commonly asked ones and that is managing or hunting small tracts of land for white-tailed deer. Now I for one am very excited about this topic because I think it's going to be something that appeals to and helps a lot of you. Not everyone has thousands of acres to hunt on and that's okay. It doesn't matter if you have 10,000 or 40. There are still practical, applicable things you can do to put yourself in a better chance of success this deer season. So I brought in one of my best friends, Keith Polk, because he's one of the most knowledgeable persons on the subject to talk about it. And lastly, I really hope you're enjoying this podcast. If you are, Please do us a big, big favor. Head on over to our page on iTunes, leave us a rating, write us a review. It really does help. Now, enjoy the show. And we're rolling. Yep. Cool. Okay. So, thanks for uh, pulling me out of a bind, Mr. Keith Polk. I should have just not said your name and let you start talking and see if anyone remembered who you was by the sound of your voice. The hick accent. <laughs> no, no, no. You got to remember we have Jordan on here pretty regularly so that uh, we actually, um, on the comment section in iTunes on the reviews, there was somebody that commented and they said, they said, uh, really enjoying this podcast. Plus, I've listened to enough episodes now where I've gotten used to Jordan's voice, so I don't have to go back and rewind things three times to understand what he says. <laughs> Look, I can relate. I, <laughs> just a quick story. I had a um, was dealing with an individual uh, through business anyway, an out-of-state landowner, and um, she and I would speak on the phone, and it got to where I would literally have to holler in the phone <laughs> for her to understand and repeat myself numerous times. And finally it got to where we started writing letters to communicate. <laughs> and then I, she, she gave me her daughter's contact information. I speak with her daughter and I said, you know, me and your mom are just having trouble communicating because of her, her hearing. And she said, Oh, mama hears fine. She said, she just can't understand your Southern dialect. <laughs> I was like, Oh wow, this is bad. There was a, uh, there's a boy, um, not a boy. If he now that he listened to this podcast, Mac will get mad at me. Mac's my Mac's about my age, maybe a few years older than me. Um, but he's been on some elk hunts with us. He he guides a lot, and he actually bought a dog from Mossy Oak Kennels. Gotcha. And Mac is I don't know. I think he's I know he lives in Montana, but in Montana, Alaska, he's everywhere but the South. You know, so he decides he wants to buy a dog from Mossy Oak Kennels and he goes and he talks to mr bill gibson who runs it and mac told me he eventually told mr bill said hey i'm sorry you're just gonna have to send me an email i can't i don't know what you're saying to me <laughs> so yeah so yeah the the hick accent is not uh not anything foreign to this podcast i think it's just part of where part of where we originate from but um i think we we put out something you know we've been doing a lot of elk episodes for good reason uh, we just came out of that elk season, um, but now it's officially, you know, I mean, it doesn't feel like fall weather here, but it's time for mm-hmm. fall hunting season, deer season and all. And uh, we always try to cater to our listeners, right, because that's what the whole thing's about. And 
uh, we put out a thing not long ago, kind of like, hey, shoot us some ideas. What do y'all want to hear about? You know, what do y'all want topics, potential topics y'all want us to cover, uh, all that kind of stuff. And um, we just did a food plot one. You know, obviously a lot of people do that. Uh, but we had a really – like I, it wasn't just one question; it was several centralized uh, centralized around a one subject, and a lot of folks were asking about kind of like small tracts, like deer hunting on small tracts, managing small tracts, managing deer on small tracts, how to successfully hunt small tracts, um, and that made sense because that's you know that's probably your most common deer hunter. You know, they're sure. hunting forties, sixties, eighties hundred couple hundred you know something like that uh and i figured you because of how you grew up and then what you do for a living now and the several hunting experiences we've had together no one knows about managing small tracks better than you so well thank you um i figure that could be a subject we could talk on absolutely that's one of my favorites is it yeah yeah well because i can remember uh there's a very special 40-acre uh, track that comes to mind. Because uh, as soon as I brought that up to you, you busted out that map right there that's laying on the floor next to us. <laughs> uh, and I think, you know, just from where we can go with this first is like, you know, if when I say, you know, when I even bring that subject up to you wanting to do that on a podcast, where does your head go first? Well, I guess quantifying what small is because, um, you know, for some small is 20, 40 acres. Mm -hmm. For some small is 500 acres. Yeah. When you look in terms of just kind of holistic management or, you know, what, you know, a size where you actually can affect or alter the deer herd. I've heard biologists and professionals uh, that speak on the subject say, you know, 500 acres is kind of a baseline. Right. But um, I've I've worked with landowners, um, you know, to improve habitat um, and do some custom harvesting and things like that uh, lots and lots of times on 40-acre-sized tracks. Yeah. You know, so, so yeah, there's, a, there's kind of a, a gamut when we say small. I think that's what you're talking about, 40 to 500 or 40 to 300. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. Well, I mean, you know, it, it's... I did any for that, that ratio I'd say would be where your where most of your deer hunters mm-hmm. dwell in. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not. I mean, there's a couple that own north of 500. You know, there's a couple that own a thousand or more, but not. I don't think that's your majority. Right. I think that's pretty safe to say. Yeah. And I think that you know when we're talking about, like I said, a, a big part of what we do in our deer hunting is food plots. And we're planting a whole lot of them. You're like, so the question comes up, like, all right, so have you got a 40 acres? What do you do with food plots on 40 acres? You know, what do you do with food plots on 100? You mm-hmm. know, that 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 sort of thing. What do you do if you don't have the opportunity to plant food plots? Right. You know? Yeah. Because that exists in, yep. in some spaces. That was a something I want to touch on, too. Um, but, yeah, that's a, a lot of times you have – I've heard some folks say, that, man, you can't effectively make any kind of difference on a – manipulate a deer herd at, on 40 acres. Right. You know? And I, I don't, you know, I, well, I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I don't think you're going to have, um, I, I guess you have to define what you mean by manipulate the deer herd. You know, you're, you're for hunting purposes, let's put it that way, 
Um, if you're wondering, is can I be successful on 40 acres? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it all comes back to expectation too. You have to set realistic expectations and work with what you're given. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I've got a friend in Alabama, uh, myself. I mean, you experienced a great hunt on this 45 acres mm-hmm. uh, several, several years ago. And, um, you know, those tracks, they are a lot of time they are primed and ready for, you know, mature deer to use. But, mm-hmm. you know, you have to monitor and really pay close attention to entry and exit of the property, how you're using the property. If you're yeah. going in every week to check trail cameras and you have to alter everything you're doing based on the size and the amount of cover and security those deer have on that place. Cause on a 40 acre block, you walk in there and the wind shifts or you hunt it with the wrong wind. Yeah. Everything on that 40 acres yeah. knows you're there. That's something I have done and like I have touched on and like just in short when, cause people send in questions and stuff to the page and not, if we haven't done a full podcast, I, I will say on, on small tracks, like your, your margin for error is a lot smaller. Yeah. Just good. cause it's a good way, of putting you know, cause it, you, you, whereas, you know, obviously just think about it in obvious terms. If you got a bigger track, then you have opportunity to be holding more mature deer. So if you spook one on a place that has 10 mature deer on it, it's not as detrimental as if you spook a mature buck on a place that only has two on the whole track, you right. know? So it, it's a, a yeah, I, we, we, we touched on that before, but I still, you know, I, the, the biggest thing I think is like what you said, a, a lot of folks think that they're at a, they look at it as they're immediately at some sort of setback or fighting an uphill battle. Whereas I'm looking at me like I've seen it, like I said, on that 45 you're talking about, it's not only is it doable, it's, it's, I mean, it's not like far reaching right to get the job done. Well, and you know, if we just look at that 45 acres, that's in South central Mississippi. Um, it's basically a homogenous stand. It's a pine plantation. Mm-hmm. It was in a thicket stage at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, when you were hunting it and we had a food plot that was pretty much central to the property it was kind of a little toward the south end Mm -hmm. and um you know our entry and exit was set up pretty easy you know slip in quietly hunting it with a ground blind extremely close quarters and we just did not hunt that food plot much at all i had a trail camera in there early in the season uh we ended up pulling the trail camera out when we saw what was there you mm-hmm. know bedding we had i think three mature bucks using that 45 acres it mm-hmm. was ridiculous and um so we i just pulled out and left it totally um quiet i mean it was a sanctuary yeah and i can tell you amidst that you know among that area that property was a sanctuary because everything else is getting hunted a lot you know a lot of pressure and um just you know the food plot was there uh, a simple plot I don't go overboard with my plots quite frankly you know that plot I've never tested the soil in it uh, it's a small quarter to half acre size food plot mm-hmm. it's long and narrow you know it's somewhere the deer feel comfortable in and it's a wheat and oats and crimson clover food plot mm-hmm. and those deer do I mean they can literally bed right off the side of it stand up walk into it they're feeding they stand up walk back and lay down 
We at Primo's want to make sure that you're completely ready for the fall hunting season. So right now at Primo's.com, you can receive 15% off all game calls. That's Primo's.com. Check it out. And that's what you're dealing with a lot of times. This, you know, I've got uh, other properties I manage where uh, because the neighbors, you know, it's family actually, um, you know, maybe the property line has been cleaned off and the and the whole quarter mile property line on a 40 acre block or whatever it may be, you know, that whole thing is established in a food plot. Yeah. And so you kind of hunt the, the edges of the property with the right wind. But now that's, I'm not advocating that because I don't advocate hunting the property lines when you and your neighbor don't get along. Right, right. Um, but in this instance, you know, it's family. Um, but anyway, um, if, my thoughts are this, if you're managing a small block, whether it's 40 to 300 or 400 acres, you have to have the best habitat around. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is you just have to be active, uh, actively managing that habitat. And so, um, it, you know, burning is huge, mm-hmm. is, is huge, huge. I've got a, uh, another friend and client that I work with that's got about a little over 300 acres on the Pearl River. And, uh, South Mississippi, and we we burn and keep fire in that 300-acre pine stand. It's a mature pine stand, mm-hmm. but we have kept fire in there um, regularly. And what we do, we don't burn the whole thing at one time. Yep. You know, we third it up, and so we don't ever remove all the cover yeah. in one season. So you've always got, yeah. So we, we do. We, we kind of take a third at a time, and we'll burn, you know, one block this year, one block next year you know mm-hmm. and so every fourth year it's all it's you know it's all went through a burning stage and it's right. in different stages different of st- yeah but it's crazy the way the deer move in that property mm-hmm. i mean it's it's literally like hunting a two-year-old clear cut you can get up in one of those pine trees everything's no higher than chest high yeah and those deer just move around in there during the daylight yeah it's crazy because that's a in that sense and it, I, i'm sure a lot of people get this but we we do have a decent amount of folks around here that are new mm-hmm. to it. And so uh, trying to just explain why that works as well as it does. So in that instance and in the 45 you're talking about in the thicket, deer are an animal that likes the sense of security, mm-hmm. you know. And so they see somewhere like that young pine stand on the 45 where it was just in that real thick, thick stage. Mm-hmm. That's like a magnet for a mature buck because they like that. They like their – solace and they like feeling like they like the thickest stuff you they can get in absolutely because they like that they like that sense of safety and so like he was talking about that the 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 mature pines where they're burning you know they get that growth back up and then you know it's like hunting in a clear cut they they you know they're pretty much hunting in a thicket you know whereas um you know if you're getting you know, like hardwoods, wide open hardwoods where you can see 300 yards or a freshly burned pine stand, not much there for a mature buck. That's right. Yeah. 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 And that that property uh, that I'm speaking of actually is a place where you and I, our last successful turkey hunt was on. I figured that's where you were so the burning speaking also, of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, bur- the burning is uh, has uh, other uh, benefits as well. Well, I can remember – you know, when I knew I was going to talk to you about this, I thought I was hoping you were going to bring that up because I can rem- I can remember it, it's been years ago now. Um, I mean, he's probably killed more deer, but uh, you wrote an article about that 
mm-hmm. about that place. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was on, it was, I mean, the article was about managing deer on small tracks, you know, because the, the, yeah. the mindset is uh, that you hear a lot is, uh, man, I, he needed another year, but if I didn't kill him, the neighbors were going to. I can't hold deer here. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and, and that place is um it is it is one of the best examples for managing a small property for mm-hmm. big deer because of uh the guys that that hunt around it are aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> and that's putting it mildly. Yeah. Um nothing wrong with it. Yeah. But, you know, there, there's two different management objectives across the line. They're state legal and that's what they want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, five point comes out and he meets the right beam length spread number of points he's going down yeah which if that's what you want to do exactly that's your thing you know (laughs) yeah no no problem there um uh you know my my friend uh he's he's the total opposite i mean he is really into seeing deer reach their potential and you know wanting to kill a five-year-old deer Mm -hmm. this is south mississippi man that's (laughs) it's that's you know that's pretty high goals it's a tall order yeah it's a tall order but he does it yeah he does it and um he um you know he's he he's just got high standards but but each season i mean his his measure success is just seeing them right it's not necessarily harvesting one every year but he is he's tickled pink with the results he's had on his place but he's active yeah he, he's active on his property now let me ask you this like see a mature deer hold mature deer on that place um killing mature deer consistently like he's doing how much harder do you think or even possible do you think that would be if he wasn't burning on that place doing that habitat work it would be it would uh i honestly i don't think it would be near he would he would not have near the success he's seeing now yeah i don't think his his um just his encounters with deer would be as high i don't think it, but because basically you've you've probably heard people talk about carrying capacity mm-hmm. his yeah. carrying capacity stays at a at a elevated uh status i guess you'd say because we keep that early successional growth in there by introducing yeah. fire you know right. fairly well yearly right uh, in the property and so that and diversity i mean he's he's just got a diverse timber stand there and um so that has really made his place good and i i may have misled i just said you know he's active on the property what Mm -hmm. i meant by that is is his management um activity you know is constant right in the off season now when it comes to hunting season he leaves it he leaves it very very quiet right he's very selective when he hunts yeah um and that fits his style he's he's got a busy lifestyle kids are active in sports and everything so a lot of weekends are occupied but that's fine mm-hmm. and um when he does have a day off he knows you know there's certain stands i can hunt certain stands i can't mm-hmm. you know he's just very smart about how he utilizes the property right. and when he hunts so pressure is at a minimum habitat is you know phenomenal right and uh it just makes for a great recipe yeah. and that recipe works on almost any scale mm-hmm. and that's the thing that is so hard when all you have is a 40 acre block you know when all you have is that 45 acres that you right. hunted years ago mm-hmm. um it's hard 
not to go hunting. Yeah. When you know you need a northwest wind and yeah. you got a northeast. Yeah. And you're thinking, nah, I can probably squeeze. I can probably get away with it. Yeah. Well, maybe you can, maybe you can't. But you yeah. know, you're putting everything on high alert yeah. if you don't get away with it. That's what I've, I've talked to guys about that before, about that same situation. They're like, I've heard you say that before, you know, like just don't risk it on the wrong wind. But, you know, Saturday's my only day to hunt. I'm like, look, I, I totally get that. I do too. Yeah. All I, I, I get that. And look, if it's again, it, it all depends on what your goals are. If you just want to go sit in the tree, then by all means. But what I say, you know, if it's possible – you know, just hang enough stands so you got enough for, you know, well, I can't hunt the spot I really want to go to, but it's right for this, you know, place over here. This yep. is right for any kind of north, you know, so let's go sit there. That's right. Uh, that, that's a that's a way out. But, you know, then I fall back on the, the thing um, Brad Ferris always tells me I'd, I'd like to spend. He said, I'd rather spend a little time in a good place on good conditions than spend a lot of time in a bad spot with bad conditions yeah. you know we're a good spot with bad conditions because yeah. it's serving the same purpose yeah 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 and then you know you kind of make saying good spot that kind of has me thinking something else another thing that i've done on small properties um it is oftentimes those places you hunt on those areas are not what we would look at and say that's a good spot because <laughs> it's not pretty at all yeah i've sat many many a hunt on the ground just like i'm turkey hunting looking down a trimmed out lane between pine trees yeah you know basically a shooting lane waiting for a deer to cross you know coming out of bed and going to feeding and i'm yeah. you know i'm hunting um you know uh, that pattern more mm -hmm. or less and those are boring hunts <laughs> but they're effective yeah because when when you when you're you know when when you've kept it quiet and when you do have that optimum transition from bedding to feeding mm -hmm. and you've prepared ahead of time, you didn't go in there December 2nd to trim the lane out. You know, you were in there August 2nd or July 2nd doing that work. Yeah. Um, then, man, it, it can pay big dividends. It mm -hmm. has for me. Calling all Primo's fans. You'll be excited to hear that we've started a new short video series called Truth Tested. And what we do in these videos is we break down the most current episode on Outdoor Channel. And most importantly, we go over specifically what products we used to help make us successful. We always get questions in from y'all about what cause do we use when and how. That's exactly what we're doing in these videos. We're going over exactly what we used to help us be successful on that hunt truth tested check it out at primos.com i could say that and i like that because that's not really a uh that's just not something we hear as much like options like that but i like that though I, that could be effective for sure um what do you think about like the guy in the situation where um like food plots are just absolutely not an option like he did like not for whatever reason you know can't i, I talked to one guy he just said uh leasing a place and he just said the person he leased it from said no mm -hmm. you know didn't want any ground tilled up didn't want mm -hmm. any trees cut just you can hunt it for this much but mm -hmm. no on the food plots you know yeah well i would go back to what i just described honestly um i they're gonna feed somewhere right they're gonna travel they're gonna bed um you know so it, it's just figuring out what are you hunting the feeding ground or are you hunting the the bed and ground mm -hmm. you know and in that scenario most likely you're in the bed and ground mm -hmm. 
and so you just have to figure out where they're going to go eat yeah and then get between them and there um hopefully in that scenario the landowner would let you do a little trimming yeah pruning limbs i've had landowners actually um you know that would not allow me or specified i don't want you cutting any of my trees down yeah i get it um but i've you know i've asked them you know does that include pruning limbs can i prune shooting lanes and things like that and they said no go ahead that's fine yeah so you know it's just playing the hand you're dealt yeah doing what you can do uh with the permission you have um i've actually hunted this is right when i got out of college um in the early 2000s i hunted a absolutely gorgeous piece of property it was 1800 contiguous acres Mm. so a big track right you know um, I bring it up though because on this 1800 acres prior to Hurricane Katrina mm-hmm. on this 1800 acres I kid you not when I tell you that probably 85% 80 I'll say 80% to be conservative of the entire property was under canopy what yeah. I mean by that yeah. it was either mature hardwood timber Mm-hmm. or it was pine plantation that had never been thinned. Literally, yeah. these were 25-year-old pine stands never been thinned. Mm. The landowner just, he just didn't care to do it. Right. And when we were, when you know, when, when we would talk deer herd management every year, I would tell the club members, you know, they would, we'd talk about adding new members and this, that, and the other. And that 1,800 acres just didn't hunt like 1,800 acres. Because you could get in the middle of one of those 200-acre pine plantations, there's zero cover. You could see literally 200 yards, you know. Kind of explain, when you say canopied out, kind of explain what that looks like. Yeah, it's just a total shade. Right. I mean, you can look up when the sun's at high noon and you're still standing in the shade. Yeah. You know, whether you're in an oak stand or a pine stand. Yeah. Um, There's just no sunlight getting to the forest floor. So it looks like it's bare through there. It's bare. Nothing but pine straw and dead leaves depending yes. on where you're at yeah that's exactly right um i used to love to walk it's so open i'd love to walk through there in um in, in kind of the end of turkey season mm-hmm. looking for sheds yeah. you could you could it was just pine straw you could see a sheds you know 50 yards away right it just stood out yeah so but what we ended up resorting to do and it was hunting the edges yeah. we hunted the edge of a timber like a timber stand change or or you know the edge of the property quite literally back off 50 to 75 yards off that property and uh and hunt where the deer were bedding there just was hardly any bedding cover on the property yeah it, it was it was a very unique situation yeah i've seen that once before and i, I know it it doesn't so it doesn't look right when you see a place like because you're just not used to it because there is a lot of, i mean a lot of areas in central south mississippi don't look like that you yeah. know but uh yeah, I see what you're where you mean is to like uh and it goes back to what we were talking about before, you know, you go back to the the deer, those not just mature deer, every deer they want that thick stuff. You know, a lot of folks uh I talk to a lot of new hunters that like to get to a spot where they can just see a really long way. Oh yeah. You know? Oh, which yeah. in which I get that's kinda of, that seems to be like everyone's first instinct. Oh, well, I can see a long way. I'm like, Yeah, yeah but they're Ain't no deer there. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You're looking for ugly spots, not yeah. pretty spots. Because yeah. that's when I was in high school, I can remember, man, I I took a stand, one of the homemade ladder stands, you know, and uh, I took it to one of the prettiest spots on the family property. And, I mean, I could see 
it was a hardwood bottom had a little drain coming through it i, I can see it like i'm sitting in the stand today and uh it was absolutely gorgeous white oak acorns everywhere i mean it was yeah it was beautiful but deer had to travel 200 yards to get to it through that kind of wide open timber to where yeah. my stand was you know yeah. so every now and then i'd have a deer blow at me or something because i didn't know wind or anything yeah. else like that just i hunting. just was going to yeah. that pretty spot you know yeah but you it, just you have to you have to you know you, you have to intercept them yeah it, it, as they're moving and as they're transitioning a lot of times that is just not mm. pretty places to be yeah. usually it, it's a thicket yeah like you said that that hunting the edge mantra that that's translates to dang near any kind of you know successful whitetail hunting yeah because like the it's like those older ones they like to you know they're not just going to come bebopping through that wide open they're going to like slip out maybe get a bite and then go right back into that uh, that thick stuff yeah yeah and that's what we usually try to you know tell folks is you know and i, I you were one of the first people to tell me that that deer are an edge species yep. you were one of the first persons i heard say that when i was younger trying to you know when i was going off hunting not paying any attention to the wind trying to figure it out i was like what's that even mean edge species <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what that means but all right i tell you man i it, that's a that's one of those uh, one-liners i guess i learned when i was at mississippi state and uh it holds true i mean it is a factual statement you can and i think i remember telling when i told you that because you were hunting an old hunting club that i had been in for mm -hmm. just a year or two yeah and that place in particular had a lot of diversity of age but it was still a monoculture type situation but with pine trees very much so but but because of all the different age structures i can remember um looking you know seeking out and finding where you know say i mean even like a 15 year old stand met a 20 year old stand mm -hmm. uh, any variation any literal edge like that you're gonna find whitetail mm -hmm. that's where they're gonna be yeah um traveling feeding bedding i mean it's that's where they're gonna be mm -hmm. i remember and uh i can remember like starting to piece that together and i'd go to a spot like i mean to the first times i was like trying to figure it out or starting to figure it out were like in the most obvious ones you know where it went from you know like a i mean like a food plot going into a thicket you know yeah. and you'd see like trails just going into it right yeah. when they come back out of it i was like oh, okay you know i was like at that kind of, and then you know then you can kind of start picking it off in spots that weren't as obvious but i was like that's what he means by that you know yeah but it's stuff like that that you got to look for uh, if you're on, you know, a situation where you're only – when you have a small spot to hunt, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Where, you know, if you were – you made the comment earlier, you know, a lot of those small tracks are primed for that already, you know. Which think about going back to that 45, you know, if – that 45 being that when it was um, those young pines – you know, if if you're in an area that the rest of it, say it's surrounded by big hardwoods all the way around, then you've got the most bedding in the area, you mm -hmm. know, so you're going to hold more deer, you know, this stuff like that. It's, I try to, I try to, you know, a lot of times I'm trying to diagnose that stuff over Instagram, so it's kind of hard to do, mm -hmm. but I don't know. Well, it's, it's literally any, any change in the habitat that we keep talking about that 45, but. This is just, it's a good, it's a good example. Yeah. For what we're talking about. Yeah. And we both have hunted it. Um, 
and with success well i had success on there i don't <laughs> you had a good encounter but um, <laughs> i had to throw that jab but anyway that 45 you know it is all a solid pine stand with the exception of one thing it's got a hardwood drain mm-hmm. that cuts across the southeast side the corner mm-hmm. and it's big white oak timber that cuts through there and goes to the neighbors and um i spoke with the neighbor the neighbor gave me permission to hunt he is it's not he doesn't have but a 15 acre strip mm-hmm. and and he gave me permission to hunt it but that's all i needed to get on the edge mm-hmm. to get off the out of the pines and into some natural timber where that drain fed into yep. and i was able one of those three bucks that was staying in there the year after your encounter yeah i was able to take one of those three deer out of there but, encounter i missed him well i wasn't gonna go there but <laughs> that is a cool story um <laughs> uh, go ahead and tell it i mean we're talking about small land where i mean i think the first deer i missed it hadn't been the last one either i've missed since then yeah yeah you have <laughs> uh I mean, but no, let's, I mean, seriously, we can tell it. I mean, cause that's a picture perfect example of small track working and how, I mean, cause everything absolutely worked except for my execution of the shot. Yeah. You know, kick it off. It was in, I mean, it was in that food plot, the food plot you talk about and y'all hadn't, I mean, y'all hadn't hunted it hardly at all other than, I mean, you knew that deer was in there, but the trail camera was gone. Yeah. This right? was, this was January. Mm-hmm. Uh, second week of January, I think, sometime like that. And um, I tell you I, how long ago it was. I had just gotten through with that internship at Midwest Whitetail. Yeah, like it, I'd, I'd come back. I'd come home from Iowa. Sure did. Yep. Yeah. And anyway, we had. Uh, there was a a really nice, tall, narrow, mature, big. nice, big, big, massive nine pointer. Uh-huh. that was coming in that food plot on the regular and uh i had to be out of town for a family get together and um i had told you i said you need to go to the 45 <laughs> get there early or don't go at all i this, think yeah, what i said you did you said if you not, if you can't get there early stay out of there yeah. like, okay i said <laughs> I think I t- may have told you if you can't get in there by 2:30 don't go. Yeah, I was there early. Yeah. I was there like at 1. I think yeah. And uh go ahead from there. Well, I like I can remember um like getting out, getting my stuff ready, like walking down the walking through the you know cuz I parked, I didn't drive through the gate, I parked at the gate and walked right. in. Just cuz again talking about access i wanted minimum disturbance so i didn't want to be driving down in there you know so i go to walk in i'm like i'm walking i'm like yeah the wind's good i mean it was a cold crisp day mm-hmm. just a, i mean a, i mean honestly it was a picture perfect january afternoon in mississippi i yeah. mean it was every the, the wind was how i wanted it to be everything was good and uh i remember i followed the road and i got you know into the the road has small pines on both sides and then we got to our little walking trail that takes you to the food plot and i followed that little trail and i always you know just like every deer hunter does you know you kind of curve around to the left and then you can see the food plot well you know i didn't just bust out there and hey you know i kind of <laughs> peeked around and, and look in the food plot and i can see the back of the ground blind and i can see down the food plot i think and I don't say anything. I'm like, okay, I'm good. 
and i can remember i took like two steps and then a deer comes walking out from behind the ground blind and i just when i just dropped to a knee and it was a uh two does just out there milling around yeah one o'clock and mm-hmm. i'm like okay and they didn't see me thankfully and the wind was in my face so they didn't smell me and like they do in that you know especially that time of year and it you know a food plot like that they don't really hang out for a long time they just kind of got them a few bites and off they went and i scurried on got in the ground blind and uh that should you know I, at one o'clock i remember it was like at three thirty, and if i had uh more patience and more the ability to pay attention more than my 20 year old self could and i would have been watching the food plot more and not playing <laughs> the pga golf app on my phone i don't even know i can remember that I, i'm not even a big golf fan i don't know why i had a golf game on my phone but i did i was playing it <laughs> I was, that's how i can remember because i can remember i was about to like i just birdied a hole i was like yeah you know i look up when i look up i see this big figure right on the edge of the small pines and i just went oh like oh and like immediately i went that's him you know yeah but I feel like right about that time, he looked up and said, that's him <laughs> in that ground blind. I see you in there, yeah, you know. Yeah. Nice putt. Yeah. Like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, he, I mean, I say that. He wasn't like bugging out like he was, you know, but I, he was looking at that ground blind. You know, and it, I was like, and I was immediately, I went from there he is, and then like, oh crap, he knows something's up. Yeah. And uh, I can, he was standing right on the edge, like. How far? What's the distance? At the time? Like yeah. 40 yards. Yeah. Like yeah. 40 yards away. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I'm just froze. I mean, because like, my gun's leaned up against, because that makes the story worse. It wasn't like I was <laughs> bow hunting. I had a rifle, yeah. for goodness sakes. Uh, but I still, I knew if I, like, tried to make a break for the rifle. And he was, I mean, even at 40 yards, but I could see, I could see, like, the top of his back. I could see his feet. His whole body was, you know, I couldn't really see it. I could see his head. I could see his antlers. I, I remember I could see, like, the, the tips of one of his main beams was sticking out in the open. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> we stood, like, staring like that. for He was staring for a while. And then he put it in reverse. I'm talking, that's like one of the, I mean, that deer walked backwards. That's old mature deer. He right went, yep. and I like immediately, I mean, like I lost, I mean, he took like a few steps. I couldn't see him anymore. And I was immediately like defeat. Like he just left, you know? And I'm like, look, I'm like, man, you know, and then no longer did that thought cross my mind. I catch movement of him walking north. Like I can catch movement through the trees. I'm like, that's obviously him. And so I soon. And I can see his rear end, you know, I can see the white of his tail. So I grab my gun real quick thinking like maybe he's going to walk, you know, mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe he walks back out there. I don't know. Uh, and he's walking and then I can finally see him good again. And he walks like he, ain't, I don't know why he did. He didn't walk. He, he eating in the food plot had was gone. He knew something was up and he didn't yeah. like it. Yeah. But he walked and he got into an opening and i got my gun up and i went man and uh he turned around and looked i mean 
perfect quarter and away shot. It wasn't like it was a bad shot angle. I mean, it was wide open. I just that's the first time I can remember like the gun went off and I think like I don't even remember what happened. like I can remember seeing him in the scope, but I think I didn't even like wait for the crosshairs to settle. Like I think I just saw deer and scope and went boom. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember being out. We were traveling, and my phone lights up, and my wife, you know, she rolls her eyes anytime I take a call while we're on the road because I'm always on my phone, seems like. But I said, uh, hot dog. I said, Lake's killed him. And uh, she rolls her eyes, I'm sure, and I answered it. And, uh, you know, you go through the story, but I remember you saying, Something weird happened right at the shot. I'm I'm not sure, but I I, I killed him. But something weird happened, and I thought, oh dang, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I hit him. Like oh, I did not man. hit him. Yeah, no. <laughs> I did not hit him. Terrible. You know, I all and I ain't look. He was like 75 yards away. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, as far as you could see in that food plot, which is about 75 yards Max. away. Yeah. And I was like. How did you screw that up? <laughs> Got the buck fever. Well, it you know, back to our original topic. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, we just kept that place low pressure, yeah. low key, and, um, you know, just sliding in there with plenty of time. That's not a place you can rush into with, you know, 30 mm-hmm. minutes left for, for dark. I mean, you could try it, but. Not smart. It's not, it's not a smart move. And, um. You know, I've got a friend in Alabama. He killed a stud. I think it was a nine point. This was back probably ten years ago, but he bought a forty-acre square. He uh, the way he the way he could approach it, um, he put his food plot right in the middle of the forty, kind of along a drain, yeah. cleared it out. He made a real big food plot in there, and that was going to be the spot. Like yeah. he had one other ladder stand. Um, but you know for bow hunting but he had pretty much set that 40 acres up for you know rifle hunting yeah. and that's what he did he just he kept it totally quiet never went to it um till basically the rut yeah he'd hunt it opening day to see you know maybe get lucky see a mature deer come in there but when the rut came that's when he it was would, go he time would, yeah and um and man he killed i mean that deer was impressive yeah it was really tall really nice deer but you know, it it's just you, you you create sanctuaries like that. Yeah. It's easy to say you're gonna make a sanctuary, but you gotta yeah. you gotta walk the walk. You yeah. gotta stay out of there, you gotta keep it quiet. And that includes checking your trail cameras. Mm-hmm. I mean now we the way technology's advancing, we've got cellular trail cameras and if yeah. you you know, if you're fortunate enough to have one of those, more power to you. Yeah. But um you know, on small acres you have to really be mindful. Yep. of um of going in there to check cameras every week or yeah you know one thing i even like t- talking on that because um if folks like like trail cameras if you allow them to be they can hurt you because mm-hmm. I, I tell people i'm like you got to remember human pressure in the woods is human pressure in the woods regardless yep. if you got a gun or a bow and are trying to kill a critter <laughs> yeah if you if if you you know go in the spot and the, the day you go to check the trail camera if the wind is blowing from you into their bedding you mm-hmm. could that you could be doing some harm or i know folks that are like you know on a still day 
or every day they'd be driving their four-wheeler right up to their trail camera hopping off and pulling the car i'm like man that you know yeah you gotta think of you know think through what you're doing here because i mean i believe in like maximizing your effort you know which if you can if you can afford a cell camera and you're hunting a small spot like imagine if we had a cell camera on that food plot on the 45 oh man when you wouldn't even have to step foot in there until yeah yeah you know because that eliminates everything but you know if you can't do that it's still very yeah very doable yeah um to your point about that i in high school i i hunted with a a buddy of mine we hunted almost every weekend every chance we got we'd hunt (laughs) i can remember uh one one night we were coming out of the woods and and this dude was like a ninja i'm talking like walking in the woods to go hunting just ninja i'm talking (laughs) stealth mode going in there quiet you know you know trying to keep his stand quiet we had those old aluminum amaker stands yeah i mean you know you it was like walking on eggshells you know trying to keep those quiet man he's quiet but man you let it get dark let him unknock his arrow and put it in the quiver. Yeah. And it was like, hey, I'm coming down. You know? Yeah. Like, I was just about to ask. It was like, I told him one night, I was like, hey, bro, the hunt ain't over. Yeah. The deer's still out there. Yeah. You know, he looked at me like, who are you talking to? You know, it, it was one of those moments, you know. It's, I, I'm, I'm not kidding you. I was just about to ask you. I said, you ever, fa- I was, I was going to say, you ever had one of those hunting buddies that talks loud when the sun goes down? Oh, it's like the hunt's over. Yeah. Like, okay, game off. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you turn, because I, I seriously, I, I've, I've hunted with a few of those before. It's like, soon as it gets dark, I mean, like, there could be a spot that you were tiptoeing in. Mm-hmm. And they go, would you say anything? You're like, <laughs> the deer don't evaporate you know when yeah. it's, when it comes dark you know that's i think uh i think that's like a, it's a, it seems obvious when you say it but it's like a, something that gets lost on yeah. on some people you know yeah or, i mean i say i mean stuff like that's gotten lost on me yeah. i did i didn't invent the idea of you know checking trail cameras you know uh not just hammering it you know like i didn't you know someone told me like hey you ever thought about you know, not driving up to right up to the camera in that secluded spot with the gas ranger. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, that's probably a good idea. I yeah. probably shouldn't do that. You right. know, I, I didn't come up with that. That's just, you know, stuff. Yeah. But uh, it's easy to get lackadaisical about that kind of stuff. And I'm just, you know, I'm thinking, you know, some of these common threads because we're probably needing to get close this one out pretty soon. Um, probably some of the common threads that we've talked about, you know, on all these stories that we shared they've had some like some consistent key elements one of those being access we've talked about that a lot mm-hmm. just hammering on access where you're not going to disturb anything yeah every single one of them has been like every single one of them have been we did not hunt it until the conditions were right yeah not no his chancy or the wind's kind of right but no it was right yep um hunting in spots um there's always been thickets involved mm-hmm. that seems to i mean a, a good thicket is a deer haven mm-hmm. i firmly believe that that's just factual yeah <laughs> that yeah. they teach you that at wildlife school yeah man um what is food i mean food plots a lot of one thing you said not on the 45 but the story you just told a lot of those food plots that you've talked about have always kind of been central to the property you know yeah as long as <clears throat> and that's something i've learned too i I almost always want to be in that central location initially, but then I, I, I start understanding how important approach is. 
Yep. And then how important the wind is. You know, if you are sitting in the dead middle of that 45 acres, what wind are you going to hunt it with? Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. if you look on the map there, that food plot is kind of south central. Right. And uh, honestly, that was luck of the draw. That was where it was, a, you know, the, the easiest place to put it kind of in that thicket. Uh, it worked out good that way. But you do, you know, if you if you have the ability, if you have the resources to create a food plot in a, you know, on a small acres, mm-hmm. uh, on small acreage, um, absolutely, absolutely study your approach and the wind, the predominant wind, and, mm-hmm. you know, wherever you're hunting. Um, you know, those things have, you have to consider those things mm-hmm. prior to cutting the first tree. Right. Or take, pulling up the first stump or turning the first thing of dirt. You know, you really need to... Um, you need to look at your approach, your prevailing winds, um, the size of your, you know, food plot, um, its proximity to the bedding area, uh, and how the deer are nor- you know, naturally traveling through the area. Um, you know, we've talked about good habitat. We've talked about fire. Yeah. Fire isn't anything. We've we've talked flippantly about it, but I'm I'm a prescribed burn manager, mm-hmm. uh, so it I kind of take for granted um, that, you know, that experience, but. You know, don't jump out there with a drip torch or, you know, and start burning just yeah. because you heard us talk about it on the podcast. You need to employ a professional, yeah. uh, you know, to be with you to, to help monitor that. Um, and then, um, you know, obviously just uh, monitoring your pressure, mm-hmm. you know, in an area. I would say, you know, monitoring your pressure and your approach to whatever, wherever you're headed to hunt, those are the two biggest factors. 100% agree. Yeah. Pressure is huge. Yeah. Absolutely it, huge. It is. And, and, um, and I mean, you can, there's success to be had. Yeah. 100% um, success to be had on small acres. Yeah. You know, and one of the other things I had, I, I had uh, wrote in, in that article uh, regarding that, that place um, on the river was that you know once you pull the trigger that management exec it, you know that the management decision has been made yeah in other words people always talk about well my neighbors are killing all these deer i'm going to go ahead and kill them before they do yeah well you know if 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 that's the logic you're going to take it's not very good logic yeah because <laughs> you know, i can tell you from experience and, and and you know my friend john can as well that um he has passed a number of big deer uh, number of really nice three-year-olds that people would say he's absolutely crazy for passing mm-hmm. in South Mississippi, um, but he just you know that's not what his objective is. Right. And so know know your goal and objective for the property, and make it realistic and attainable, mm-hmm. and then stick to it. Yeah. You know, it's that simple. And I think it's it, you do that. Because it is, you set that those kind of goals, and it does make it easier to follow. Mm-hmm. And then it it makes it easier to makes it easier to not stress over it. You yeah, know exactly. You know what you're doing, and you know you know what you're after. Then you you know then you just go out there and enjoy it like you're supposed to. Absolutely. Like we talked about before, if your goal is a state legal deer. There you hammer down. Hammer down. You won't get any looks or you know snarky remarks from me. Have at it. You know, it's all about landowner goals or your personal goals. It doesn't. So that's up to you, the hunter. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's where 
you know, people have gotten bad taste in their mouth over hunting. Um, you know, especially, you know, I, I haven't went, I haven't went much out of the South, out of Mississippi, particularly South Central Mississippi, the Piney Woods. But, mm-hmm. you know, I had a guy call me a couple of years ago who was hunting that 1800 acres that, that I used to hunt mm-hmm. and he knew, you know, I had a lot of history on it and kept up with jaw bones and data and all that on it. So he called me to pick my brain and he told me, he said, well, we've got a goal of killing 140 inch deer. Mm. And I said, brother, you may want to rethink your goal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not not being a know-it-all at all. Yeah. I mean, it's just you, I grew up in that area. I know kind of what it's right. capable. Now, right. the potential is greater. You you can, you know, I'm not saying you can go and start killing 170s in there. But it's like I told him. I said, look, you absolutely can look for a 140 probably every second or third season. But to say you're going to do it every year, yeah, it's just not attainable. Yeah, I said I, th- I think you're gonna, you're gonna be very disappointed. Yeah, and so attainable goals, man. Attainable goals. Yep. It's it's a uh, yeah. That's that's the way to do it. Makes it more, makes it more enjoyable experience. Absolutely. Because it makes it within reach. <laughs> you ain't lying. <sighs> Look, I still love to whack a slick head. Shoot, yeah. You give me 20 acres and I tell me I can go bow hunting on it, and that's my goal. Well, look, I mean, you know the kind of the kind of areas that I grew up deer hunting in, and that's just made it to where, like, my <clears throat> to this day, my goal is mature buck. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I mess up on that. <laughs> but, so, I mean, like, you can you can ask, like, there's a, like, a couple years ago, Cottonmouth, I shot that, uh, I mean, he's a four-point, but he's a mature deer. And so, oh, I've seen be- the video. It's, I mean, it's become a thing. They're like, if there's a deer that qualifies as a management deer, they're like, who? Sh- well, Lake will shoot that one. Absolutely. I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I will. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, that deer don't know what he's got on his head. No, man. <laughs> I'm with you. Mature deer is a mature deer. Yeah. So anyhow, I think we can we can wrap this one up, um, guys. I think I hope you learned something out of this conversation. Um, I mean, a lot of that, st- all that stuff's just practical stuff that that you know and that I've picked up and learned from you over the years, and um, it's a, it's applicable. You know, I think it's stuff that someone can employ. A lot of those things, but someone could employ in their deer season this year. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so yeah. Uh, if you have any more questions, uh, feel free to send them in always to our Instagram page, our Facebook page. Uh, thank you, Keith, for taking the time out of your day. Thanks for having me. Did have to pay you off with some elk meat, but, you know. Brother, I'll take that anytime. (laughs) All right, y'all. Thank y'all for listening.